Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In today's episode, we speak with Ron Lichty about being Agile versus doing Agile, about the role of managers in Agile, and what it means for teams to be self-organizing. Well, hi, Ron. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to have you here today. Please tell us about yourself, your background, and what you do. Yeah, so I've uh, <laughs> I've been in technology for a good long while. Um, I, I started in technology as a programmer, and I was a programmer for seven years. I uh, wrote compiler code generators and um, early word processing software on early microcomputers and personal computers. Um, and I wrote... Um, uh, some multimedia applications and uh, and embedded microcontroller applications. And, and it was this combination of stuff that I really loved. I really thought I had the best job in the whole world. But, um, but I wanted to try one thing, and that was managing. And I was in a two-person consulting company, and you don't manage in a two-person consulting company. <laughs> and Apple Computer made me an offer to come manage a product management group for development tools at Apple Computer. And so I went to Apple. I uh, product managed for about a year and a half. I went back to programming at Apple. Um, after a year and a half, uh, they made me a manager. I went back to programming at Apple, and they made me a manager. And, <laughs> and I realized after the third time of being a manager that I actually liked being a manager. And so I've been managing for uh, about 25 years. And I've been and I've been a manager. I've been a director of engineering. I've been a VP of engineering. I've been a VP of products. I've been a CTO. I ran into Agile for the first time when I was uh, a director of engineering still at Charles Schwab, the uh, the brokerage company, and um, and the, what I ran into the first time was extreme programming, and mm. um, and I was intrigued, but I wasn't yet sold. It was when I ran into Scrum in, in 2002 that I was really sold. So it was 99 when I ran into extreme programming, <clears throat> when I ran into um, a scrum in 2002 and I said to my colleague so you're doing scrum what is that and he said well developers get to go heads down for two weeks at a time and not get interrupted and I thought, <laughs> wow <laughs> when has that ever happened yeah and, and, and then I started thinking and thought yeah but the reason it doesn't happen is because the world changes the competitive environment changes the competitors bring out other products the customers want different stuff we show them what we've done so far and they want then they want it changed so how does that work and he said well the developers in that two weeks finished what they were working on and so they're they're ready ready um, to go to take on the next thing and the, and our product managers at that point can just change direction as, as frequently or as much as they want to. Um, and I thought, wow, so on the two week boundaries, product managers change, change direction. And then for two weeks, engineers get to go heads down and, and just code and, and get the focus that drives productivity and drives joy and mm -hmm. uh, in programming. Yeah, and so I've been uh, I've been just a total fan of Agile since running into Scrum in 2002. So I've I the last six years I've been I've been uh, consulting um, as a an interim VP of engineering, um, and also training teams in Scrum. I've been training teams in Scrum now for about 10 years, and and uh, and training executives in Scrum for about the last four or five years. 
um, and uh, and advising organizations in how to transform chaos to clarity, how to uh, untangle the knots in their software development, and how to make their software development hum. Wow, that's it's great. Been, it's been a long journey. <laughs> it it had a really fun one because I get to participate in helping teams to find joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like that joy ink. You yes. really, uh, yes, Rich, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Ron, I think one thing that I wanted to ask you is that uh, you had, I, I remember you t telling me about uh, being agile versus doing agile. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so I, uh, these days I probably train 20 or 25 teams a year um, in, in, in agile and in scrum. And I, I found, so 10 years ago when I started training teams in agile, I found myself I realized that I was transforming teams from waterfall to agile. These days, the last three or four years, I, it's occurred to me that I'm transforming agile teams to agile. <laughs> and and, it, and it's a, it, that's an exact answer to your question, Santosh. The, um, the teams that are doing agile practices but not actually being agile. So I liken it to, uh, I liken it to democracy. Uh -huh. So we have we have voting machines. Voting machines are not what make us a democracy. Right. Uh, we are. It's our values and our principles that make us a democracy. We all know that there are countries in the world that have voting machines that aren't democracies. Correct. And similarly, just doing agile practices, uh, and I think agile practices are very valuable. Done well, agile practices have a lot of value. Each one of them. Because so I walked I walked through them as I began to think about this, but but. It doesn't make us agile. Mm -hmm. Agile practices support us in being agile. Agile comes from values and principles, just as democracy does. Yeah, so it's like a processes are the tools to yes. make you agile. Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I mean, I this is getting. Uh, I think every one of us now are seeing that this is like a third attempt of a lot of people going uh, you know, trying to get agility, true agility, because we yes. are doing everything, but it doesn't work. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> yes. And I, um, you know, I use, I leveraged the Agile Manifesto, which was written in 2001, mm -hmm. uh, when all of the founders of Scrum and Extreme Programming and, and Crystal and uh, feature-driven development and Agile, Pro I mean, there were so many different Agile methodologies, so many right. different agile approaches back in the 90s it was such a it was such a, an exciting time and they all got together in 2001 and they came up with the word agile but they also came up with the agile manifesto which is at agilemanifesto.org and go to agilemanifesto.org and you see the value statements and then it's got a link there to the to the principles and together i think that they provide a window into looking at our practices and being able to determine whether we're actually being agile or just doing agile. Yeah, I think that's what I was going to ask you is that, you know, when do the teams feel that they are being agile, not just doing agile? I think so they I just think, answered that. You know, I think if, if and I, and I um, so I gave a talk in Chicago at, at Agile Camp just a few days ago, and, and I had everybody stop for a, a minute and think about the best team they'd ever been on. Mm. Think about the qualities of that team. What words describe that team? What, what words describe what made that the best team you've ever been on? 
and then we and then we put all those up on the wall and there are words like respect and trust and and people my teammates had my back mm-hmm. and you hear those kinds of words coming out of people's mouths and, and it and it makes shivers run up and down my back yeah and i think yeah, I, I can for a lot of us <laughs> And and really, I think when we're being when we're being agile, we have that kind of team. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. No, no, I was just agreeing. It's absolutely the case, and you you do feel that joy and happiness in the team and the energy, and there's just a completely different spirit when people have gone beyond just doing agile and are really being agile and really working together as a team, not just a set of people who happen to be in a room working together. That's right. I think one of the characteristics of that is that on teams that are actually being agile, every single member of the team is from time to time a leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the intern on the team leads from time to time. Now, the intern's not going to set the architecture, and the architect's not going to set the, the product management requirements, and the product manager's not going to do the coding. Everybody leads from their experience and their expertise but every one of the members of the team is a leader. And I think that that is also one of the things that characterizes one of those amazing teams, one of those great teams that we've been on and one of those agile teams. Yeah, I think the thing that you mentioned about, you know, everyone had their back, uh, they fear felt like the team had their back. It's like, you know, you always feel if the team, anybody in the team is asking for help, that means they trust the team. Yes, 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 exactly. So, so yeah, that that's a very, very great characteristic of a team that people feel they are they are a a single unit. Awesome. All right. Awesome. So, yeah, I would like to ask a, another, a different question. And given your background, as you mentioned, you've been a manager and went back into management and so on. So, how do you view the role of managers in Agile? So, managers have a different role in Agile. Uh, than before. So managers, so those of us who are managers, probably one of the one of our characteristics is probably we like to direct things. <laughs> we like to tell people what to do. I, you know, and I'll own this. I mean, it, 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 it's fun to be able to direct things. And, and the characteristics of a manager in, in Agile, and Agile's got a word for it, it's called servant leadership. Right. And servant leadership is about supporting teams so that everyone can be a leader, so that everyone can direct things, so that teams can self-organize and direct things themselves. And and so that's really a fundamental change in uh, in what happens for uh, in what happens for managers. And um, and the the result of that is that what managers need to focus on is fostering agile culture. Right. Uh, modeling and defending and evangelizing agile values, empowering right. self-organization and excellence, and then removing impediments. Mm-hmm. If you ask any agile team who removes impediments, they'll say scrum masters. But then, then when you ask the scrum masters, well, who do you escalate to? They all, they'll always say managers. Right. It's right. one of our jobs as well. Right. Yeah, I, I think the... Uh, when I was at Cisco, one of the things that they had to do was redefine manager's true role in agile world. How did and, that go? Yeah, well, initially they're not that great. <laughs> Maybe the third time they find, yeah, because 
people are not ready to give up things that they you know have always been told that you are responsible that means you need to control all this yeah so i i wrote one of the very few books on managing programmers so you all know that there's a thousand books on on agile there's uh, probably a thousand books on scrum alone uh, but there's there are fewer than a dozen books on managing programmers and managing the people. So there there's just scads of books on on managing projects, but almost none on the managing the people who who deliver projects. Interesting. And, and yeah. we went as we were doing our book. My co-author and I went off and looked at the people who the people the thought leaders in management. And one of those, uh, you know, one of those is Maslow. So all of us know, uh, almost all of us recognize Maslow's name. Uh, Maslow did the hierarchy of needs, and and it and it starts at the very bottom with the with the core stuff and works all the way up to self self actualization, which I think is where agile teams live. But another one of those guys was a guy named Douglas McGregor, and these guys and 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 so we give about two pages to each to each of three guys in the. In the uh, the book, Douglas McGregor in the 1950s posited X theory versus Y theory management, and X theory was what we've seen for for um, since the Industrial Revolution, maybe for all time. Mm-hmm. Manage, managers who tell people what to do, managers right. who are authoritarian, managers who are uh, directive, right. and he posited that we are in a world of creativity in which we need to. We need to let that creativity out, and the only way to do that is Y theory management, where managers are fundamentally supporting teams, right. supporting enablement of bo- of both teams and the people within those teams. Where our our job is to is to let that creativity out, and let that productivity out, and let that uh, let those teams gel with each other. And the the words that he used are the same words that Agile uses for servant leadership and so isn't it interesting that it took from the 1950s until the night the late 1990s for agile to come along and say hey that's what we should be doing in (laughs) software development well so so from from management to the teams i think one of the things that you uh, earlier said that about you know the team should be self-organizing so what does that mean in the sense what would you like to see as a characteristic of a team that is self-organizing how do you know or how do what are those key characteristics that the team said yeah we are actually doing that yeah so i uh i know of very few teams that decide who that the teams themselves decide who's going to be on the team so i think that's possible i think it's not very likely in today's cultures so it happens a little bit, but mostly managers are still deciding who's going to be on what teams, mm-hmm. but the teams then get to decide the how. They get to decide how they work with each other. Right. And that deciding how they work with each other, I think, goes down to every one of the members of the team being a leader, including the intern. And and if that's gelling, so I like to use the analogy of, well, if we were a uh, an acting group, not doing software, but an acting group, and everyone's a leader, what kind of acting would we be doing? We'd be doing improv. If we were a musical group and everyone's a leader, this is not everybody leads at the same time. This is leadership moves transparently among all the members of the team, the group. Yeah. And And so if we're a musical group, we're probably playing jazz. And, <laughs> 
And uh, and I'm really I'm really not a sports guy, but I uh, when I was at Schwab, I had a management coach. I was trying to move from being a director of engineering to being a VP of engineering, and she said, "You have to read this book." And it was a book by a guy named Phil Jackson. And Phil mm. Jackson, it turns out, was the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Right. When Michael Jordan was playing for the for the Chicago Bulls, and Michael and I had no idea who Phil Jackson was, but I did know. I didn't know Michael Jordan's name. It was the one basketball player whose name I knew <laughs> because Michael Jordan set every record in basketball. But right. Phil Jackson inherited a team with Michael Jordan that was not winning. Oh, wow. <laughs> and his job, his job, and I think our job as managers is the same, is to create an environment and to create the and to facilitate the team working as a self-organizing team. Right. So he did that with his basketball team by introducing this thing called the triangle offense in which every and, and I'm, I don't know how it works. There's a triangle offense when you've got five people on the on the on the court. But it, somehow that works. And, and the idea of it is that his that basketball players are always looking at each other. They're not looking over at the bench at the coach during the game. They are totally engaged with each other and transparently changing leadership back and forth on the court among each other and he says when my team is firing not only does the other team not know what my team is going to do next my team doesn't know what it's going to do next (laughs) and he said when my team is firing it's like a jazz group and i thought oh it's like a scrum team right (laughs) awesome got it that is awesome. That is so, awesome. Uh, 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 Phil Jackson's book was Inner Hoops, and he's written a more recent one called Eleven Rings, okay. both of which are worth reading. I'll definitely take a look at that. But uh, yeah, it's it. You know, you can you can feel the energy of the team when it it knows that it is self-organizing, and you really they get yes. under the cruise control. You really don't have to do anything. They themselves can see. Uh, how to handle things, and it's, it's really interesting. But you did allude to something, which is you can't just tell the team you're self-organizing now. You have to help them to become yeah. self-organizing. Yes, as Phil Jackson helped the Chicago yes. Bulls to right. be self-organizing. Exactly. So we're in the we're in the role of coaches in coaching teams to become self-organizing. Right. Right. Make them aware that they could actually self-organize. Yes, and and so the worst possible thing we can do is direct them, tell them what to do, to micromanage because micromanagement is the thing that is anathema yeah. to agile. That's true. That is true. Wow. Well, this has been really awesome, Ron. So, um, tell us how can our listeners reach you if they have questions? Well, so my book has a website, managingtheunmanageable.net. Uh, but managing the unmanageable is not exactly easy to spell. Of course, neither is my last name. And my my website is ronlichty.com. So you can you can find me at either place. Ron Lichty is L-I-C-H-T-Y. Great. Right. So this was really wonderful, Ron. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure talking about self-organizing teams and about yeah. the joy that those teams experience. Yes, absolutely. Thanks a lot and uh, really appreciate your time. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.